Okay, so if you have your Bibles and you want to start turning over to the book of Philippians, the letter of Philippians, we're going to begin a series today going through that particular letter by Paul. Several reasons why. One is Paul talks about several of these particular ideas, joy, faith, dependence upon God, abundance, overcoming, gratitude. What I'd like for us to to do is to take that sermon series on Sunday morning and then look at Wednesday nights when we come together for peak of the week as the laboratory for it. How can we begin to build in these behavioral practices that Paul is talking about? We'll we'll do some practical stuff here on Sunday mornings. But um, I I want us to, to really think about, okay, what does it mean to put these into practice? And, um... Matter of fact, the Holloways don't know it, but I'm thinking about showing a video from our own Ellie Holloway that was on the news the last few days. Um, so don't go look for it, okay? Come to come to peak of the week on Wednesday night because I think it's going to tie into what we want to uh, what we want to share. So uh, that kind of stuff. How how do we how do we practice? All of the principles and biblical details. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with that from time to time, but that's what I want us to do. So, let's go. All right? Um, There we go. Over in Philippians chapter 1. Here is Paul now. Paul, the the apostle, he's older, uh, doesn't really know exactly how much time that he has left on earth. At this moment of writing, he is in prison. They have put him away. His heart is, I I, got to get out because I need to go check on all of those churches that I founded. And I need to find out how they're doing. And there's a lot of work to be done. And God, I need your help because there's so much. There's a lot of persecution going on. What you will notice is that as the church continues to grow, the persecution seems to elevate at the same time. And how do you deal with that? Churches are being infiltrated from within with false teaching. And he knows it's nearing the end. Yet look at his first words. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the good news. Grace and peace. I pray with joy every time I think about you. I think about the good times, the partnership that we had um, in, in, in the ministry time together. Grace, peace, I thank God, joy, partnership. But I want to go back. I want to go back with you to the beginning of when Paul arrived in Philippi. And so you can, you can find that story over in Acts chapter 16. But before we get to him, I want to tell you a, a situation that happened in my life a long time ago. When I was in college, I was on the basketball team, and we had a conference game. And I was out in, and we were out in West Texas in Abilene, but we drove to... Portales, New Mexico. Who's been there? Okay, a few of you. How many have been back? That's the question. (laughs) And it was in February, and we drove up in our bus, and it was the night before the game, and it was dark, right? And we drove up to a 
aren't those single-level places called motels, right? They're, they're U-shaped, horseshoe-shaped. Am I right about that? And we get out, and so the coach is passing out keys to us. We have to walk across a dirt sand parking lot, and the wind, I'm telling you, is blowing about 50 or 60 miles an hour. We literally had to walk to our rooms like this because we couldn't see in dirt and sand and grits getting in your eyes and your ears and on your skin. It felt like a sandblaster. And so we, we, we got up the next morning and we practiced at the gym. Wind is still blowing. There's nothing back then. This is 1984. <laughs> nothing in Portales, New Mexico, except that university. And so we get to the game, and now this is the best I can remember, okay? So don't hold me to it, all right? Plus, I'm telling a story, so that happens. <laughs> but the fans came. They were wearing overalls and boots, and I think a lot of them were missing their teeth. And they, were, they yelled at us the whole night. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. They should not have been yelling those things. Matter of fact... I couldn't even concentrate on the free throw line because after they yelled at me, I was thinking about the legitimacy of my childhood. I, I thought, I thought my parents always told me. But, and there was only one cafe, and it took them forever to feed us. And I said to myself that day, I will never come back here. Oh, he's... Anybody ever said that? I said, I will never come back here. This is the worst of the worst places to ever come back to. I'll get back to this story later. But Paul in, um, in, in Philippi, he travels there, and we, we, you see certain things about his life. On Sabbath, he went to pray. Right? Um, studying with a lady named Lydia, and he converted her. Every day he's preaching and he's praying. And he meets this slave girl. And she's following him around and she's, she's shouting at the top of the lung, Listen to these guys. They're from the Most High. Listen to them. Right? She's interrupting him. And he kind of looks at her annoyed, but he lets her go on for a few days until finally he's had enough. And he says, Come out of her. And it does. Now, the owners of the slave girl, as you'll find out, aren't too happy with this because she is their cash cow. She makes a lot of money doing fortune telling for them. And now that, that this has disappeared, they lose money. And that doesn't sit well with the, with the community at, at Philippi. And so they have him arrested and they have him flogged. And, and they actually, if you want to you play with this, make false accusations about Paul and put him in jail. Right? And so... I would have said, and by the way, after that, he endured an earthquake while he's in jail. Now, I would have said again, I would have said, Philippi is worse than Portales, New Mexico. I will never come back to this place. I don't have fond memories of it. And yet I keep hearing the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 1. Grace and peace to you. I thank my God for you. And I say, how? How did he do that? Well, let's, let's go through a few points that I want you to think about. How does Paul do this? Number one, Paul has a mission, his purpose. right? And so his, his purpose in life is, listen to this, preach the gospel or die trying. 
spread the gospel or die. But either way, I'm not quitting. Because that is his purpose in life. It is to share the gospel. It's his lifelong mission. And as we talked about on Wednesday nights, that mission is something that is greater than himself that pushes him to become more than he is. And until we get our mission in life, our purpose in life that is greater than who we are and that forces us to get out of outside of our comfort zone, I'm not sure yet we have a mission. But that was Paul's mission is that he was he was sent. It's a lifelong giving to other people. Okay. Here's now. Why did that go away? Paul also had a practice. If you notice this, his daily routine. He was going and praying. He was, he was meeting with the ladies in Philippi. And a couple of times in verse 13 and verse 16, you'll see that he took time to go pray. God, I've got to spend time with you before I get out here and, and, and get the day going. You know, and there's the, there's the time in life where we have, to, we have to step back and go, I need to get my priorities straight. I need to make sure that I'm focused. God, I need to give everything to you. And you see this in Paul's life, that he had a daily routine that got him ready. Not only did he have a purpose, but he had these practices that he put in place. Every day there was some discipline about him. Spending time with God, daily routine, getting focused. Make sure I hit this right. I love this about Paul. Paul had patience. He's going around Philippi, and he's trying to preach, and he's trying to teach, and this woman, who's a slave woman, keeps yelling out, Hey, listen to these guys. They're men of the Most High. They know what they're talking about. You know, I would have said, Hey, look, woman, that's enough. It's time for you to be quiet. He, he lets it go on for a few days. Paul is not, um, Paul is not stopped by interruptions. Let me let that one sink in for a little bit. How many of you have the morning you get up, either on your phone or on a sheet of paper, you've got the daily agenda, right? At 8 o'clock and at 9 o'clock and at 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock, and I've got it all laid out. And sure enough, at some point during the day, somebody's going to walk in, the phone's going to ring, I'm going to get the email, and something's going to interrupt my schedule. And I'll just confess to you and be honest, I don't like interruptions. They just seem to sidetrack me. But I'm always then reminded of what one of my mentors said to me. He said, you're going to learn more about God and you're going to learn more in ministries when you take the time to invest in interruptions. It's so true. It's so true. It's almost like there are times when God comes to us and goes, Nope, this isn't all about your schedule. You need to pay attention here. There's somebody that's sitting in front of you right now that needs you. And that's the way Paul was. There was some patience, interruptions going on, the unexpected, the unannounced. And he was willing to give her some space. A couple of days, okay. Until finally he said, enough is enough. But here's the other thing. Another thing. Paul's perseverance. I, I wrote all these with the letter P, okay? But I ran out. I'll show you that in a moment. Paul had perseverance. They put him in jail. They flogged him. They falsely accused him. 
I again, I would have been ready to say, all right, God, what, what is this about? Why is my life turning in this particular direction? All I chose to do was answer your call to become an apostle, become a messenger of Jesus Christ, to share the good news. And look at me, I'm getting flogged. I'm getting falsely accused. I'm in jail. The one thing about Paul is he was willing to persevere. Why? He had a purpose. And he practiced. And he had some patience. And he was willing to persevere through the tough times. Right? Problems are going to come. Not only is he now in jail, he's, in, uh, he's got his feet in, in stocks. But an earthquake comes. And if you look at the story, the earthquake happens... And the jailer is about to take off running because the locks had come off. And Paul says, oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, don't run, don't run. Listen to these words. We are still here. I'm still here. Paul had a level of perseverance where he did not let go of his integrity. He was unwilling to let go of his integrity. He could have taken off. He could have run. But he didn't. He was willing to persevere through the difficult times. Church, you've got to understand again, difficult times not only are coming, they're here. Issues, trials, problems... It's how we grow. It's how we become. But listen, in your perseverance, don't let go of your integrity. Always being found, I love this phrase, always being found at my post. Doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm where I'm supposed to be regardless of the outside circumstances. And that was Paul in his perseverance. But this is the one that gets me. It's in verse 25. And it says, in jail, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. And they're singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners are listening to them. You've got to picture this. Uh, Am I going backwards? Go forward. At midnight, in chains, Paul and Silas are singing. And I think to myself, what exactly is that? What is it about a person that has gone through everything that Paul has, that at midnight he's singing? And it all goes back again to the purpose, the practice, the patience, the perseverance But even in the midst of the most difficult time in his life, he's willing to lift his voice and praise. It's where we get the term songs in the night. Songs in the darkness. When there's nowhere else to turn, when life seems to be just crashing down on you with worries and anxieties and things that don't seem to to be working right. I can't sleep at night, so I begin to sing. And I sing songs in the night. 
And I turn to the only hope that I have. Now, for Paul, this wasn't, this wasn't a last-ditch effort. Oh, what? I, don't, I don't know what else to do. Let's see. It was his way of life. I got to thinking about this. I wonder if he might have said some things like this. It's an old, old song. Won't you sing it with me? Where could I go? Oh, where could I go? I'm seeking a refuge for my soul. I'm needing a friend to save me in the end. And where could I Thank you. Living below in this so sinful world, and hardly a comfort can afford. And I'm striving alone to face temptation sore. Where could I go but to the in the night. Songs in the night when life is pressing. Now I got nowhere else to go. I trust you. I don't trust this world. I trust you. That's what you see with Paul. That he was able to, to come to writing back to them a letter where he could say, man, I long for you. I love you. I thank my God every time. Portales, New Mexico. About ten years later, I'm a youth minister. And I have an assistant who comes to me one afternoon. He said, hey, I've got a great... I just talked to some folks. I've got a great opportunity for us to take our juniors and seniors on a mission trip this summer. It's the Eastern New Mexico Children's... Uh, Eastern New Mexico Children's Home. I said, man, that's, that, that's great. What is it... What would it look like? What are we going to do? He said, we're going to take all of our kids and we're going to place them in each cottage. And we're going to work all week on that farm. Woo, that sounds like a great idea. It's going to be a lot of work. Okay, let's do it. Where's this place located? He said, Portales, New Mexico. I said, whoa. I'm sure enough, I'm sure that probably somebody that works out there was in the stands that night yelling at me. I don't want anything to do with Portales, New Mexico. But he convinced me. And we went. We took about 20, 25. And we get there, and again, we took three or four and we put them in a cottage. You're going to live here for the week. And they were under the rule of the house parents. And every morning before the sun came up, everybody was up. 
and they were working the fields and mowing, and we were painting, and, and uh, we were helping with livestock. These city slickers, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. But we worked, and we worked. We became part of their family, some of the greatest memories that we have. But two stand out to me that we got to um, watch. One, one cottage had this little three-year-old boy who had, had just come to be with the family. He'd been there probably three or four months. And every night the house parent would get up and walk down the long hallway to his room and walk in his room and pick him up off the floor and put him in the bed. And before the sun would come up again, she would go back down the hallway, walk into his room, and sure enough, he's on the floor, pick him up, and put him in the bed. And so we ask, what, what is this all about? Well, his parents didn't really take care of him. He was basically raised in bars and saloons. And when he got tired and exhausted, he just collapsed on the floor. He's never been used to a bed. We're training him how to sleep in a bed. Wow, that's a foreign world to us. One I'll never forget, none of us will, is the day we came in for lunch, we were sweaty and we were dirty and we went to our cottage and there sat a, a, a boy about 11 years old on the couch, a new one, and his mom and dad were standing there in front of him. No, actually it wasn't. It was his mother and I think her brother. And they were having a conversation. And so I kind of asked, I said, what's, what's going on in the living room? And... Uh, one of them told me we're getting a new member of our cottage. We all kind of stood at a distance as his mother told him goodbye. And she turned and she walked out the door. And there he sat on the couch crying. And this community of people in Portales, New Mexico, began to wrap their arms around him and love him and plug him right in. And we got to go for three or four summers. And I got to watch how God worked through the lives of so many people. And I had to admit, i got to tell you, I'm not Paul. It took me 10 or 15 years to go, I was wrong. I thank my God every day for those people in Portales. Because God was working there. But this was all just a part of, of the life of Paul. It was, it was how he lived. It was how he functioned. Going to the next slide. Here's Paul's worldview. Here we go. Paul's worldview is this. I will fear no situation. Part two. I will blame no one. Two of our greatest challenges, those were mine just when you, when you talk about Portalis. Those are the two that I wrestle with. Those are the two that we wrestle with. Not with Paul. He'll fear no situation. As we go through Philippians, he's going to say, you know what? Whether I live or die, it doesn't matter to me. If I live, it means fruitful work. If I die, it means I get to go be with the Lord. But I will fear no situation. 
Paul didn't fear it. Paul went into it looking for God's hand, looking for opportunity, looking for where God may show him something to further the gospel, to find another companion. Whatever it is, I will fear no situation. Notice, he never blames. I'm going to let that one sit on you for a minute. He never blames. I thank God. Yeah, but Paul, hang on a minute. Now, they, they beat you. They falsely accuse you. They... See, when I have a purpose and I have practice and I have patience and I have perseverance and I'm in this process of praising God, I don't need to blame anybody else. My life is in God's hand. Why blame? And we will see this particular idea unfold over the next um, several weeks. So here's the results. Go to the next slide. Because of this, look what happened. The jailer and the household were converted to Jesus. The whole household. Because of Paul's integrity and Paul's life. But here's the other one. Paul gained his freedom. He got, it's a win-win situation. He, had, he, he converted these folks and he walks away. And here's the deal. Amazing, unexpected things happen to a person when they put these particular principles in life and you say, you know what? This is what I'm heading for. And I will fear no situation and I will blame no one. I love this quote. Go to the next slide, please. There is one elementary truth the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. Whatever you can do or dream you can do, begin it. Boldness has genius and power and magic in it. Begin it now. All of us desire joy and peace and faith and purpose, and freedom, and laughter, and holiness, and discipline, and patience, and community. And Paul's going to show us how to do this as we walk through this letter to the Philippians. So I hope you'll be ready. I hope you'll be ready to listen and to learn and to put into place what he, what he uh, shares with us. So let me ask you before I step down. Where is fear and blame costing you in your life right now? Situation scares you to death. Which person or people are you blaming? Say, you know what, that's what's holding me back. Because it does, it holds us back. But we're going to begin the journey of taking action. And so church, I say this to you. We will not fear. And church, I'll say this to you. We will not blame. And we'll watch what God does with that. So if you're ready to begin the journey, here's where it begins today. You have to acknowledge this and confess it. Here's how you do it. I'm afraid. I've been blaming everything and everyone. 
And it's been hindering me. And I'm stuck. And I'm frustrated. And I'm angry. And I wonder why God has let me down. That's where it begins today. I acknowledge it and I confess it. And then we move forward. I can't wait to go through this series with you. Paul's got incredible things to say about how to live life and to do it for God's honor and glory. So if this morning we can pray for you, if this is your day to come down and say, you know what, that's me, I need prayers, do so right now as we stand and sing together.